0: Why is it that we fight dirtiest with the people we're closest to? What is it about intimacy that makes us feel like we have a right to tear someone apart? I guess vulnerability comes as low-hanging fruit. And those parts of themselves that only we know are often the first thing we grab when it comes to a fight. And we wave it in front of them and we say, you did this. This is how you are. Man, do I fight dirty sometimes. This is Deep Talk. Only recently have I started to appreciate the value of germane topics when it comes to arguments. Because so often I reach for things unrelated to the discussion as weapons, and as an easy way to subvert the argument I'm losing. It's low of me, and it's grimy. And I think I choose to be that way. I think I choose to pick at the weak parts of somebody because when I'm losing an argument, I get desperate, and I can't help but to throw everything I've got at it. And obviously, that is a terrible mindset to go into an argument with, especially with somebody that you care about, because the priority isn't working it out or coming to a compromise. My mindset is just focused on winning. And I've lost relationships because of that, and I've damaged the relationships I've kept by doing that. But I do it because I don't have the right tools to get through a debate going that low with it must indicate that I'm just not articulate enough to be chivalrous in the face of argumentativeness. Most people play by rules, and there's a certain amount of respect that exists, even in the heat of debate. And I need to figure out what those rules are, because I can't, I can't keep playing this way, and I can't keep messing things up like this. The first basic premise should be that, that what you talk about is on topic. You know, it's, it's on theme with what you're trying to figure out. And when it's getting to a point where you have nothing left to say or you're grabbing at things unrelated to the situation, that's a good indicator that you should shut up. <laughs> so keeping things germane is definitely a priority. I also need to be more mindful of how I'm perceiving the person in front of me. Because in the moment, in this situation, I start looking at them as opposition, as an enemy, instead of a collaborator. A person that I'm working with through this trial. A teammate. That's exactly what it is. They're a teammate. Because... The bulk of arguments that I have are about differences in opinion more than they are a clash of stance. You know, like like so rarely do the people I'm close to have completely opposite points of view. And I'm going into arguments as if that's the case, which it's not. And so I I suppose I need to appreciate the nuance of the fact that, that we're on the same side. We just have a slightly different lens that we're perceiving the situation. And that the points that they make don't have to be counter arguments to yours. They're just a different flavor and they're just a different path to the goal that hopefully you're both trying to get to. I think another tool that's massively helped me get the other person to believe that I'm on their side and, and to get myself to believe, I guess, that I'm on their side is to reiterate the point that they're making to establish that, that I hear what you're saying. This is what you said. And something about that just lets them know that you're not devising a way to contradict what they're saying. Because you only have so much headspace in the moment to process what's going on and how you're going to react to it. And so if you're spending your time reflecting what that person's saying and establishing that you hear them, then that's a good indicator that you're not devising a way to get back at them and to overcome their opposition. And already at that point, it feels like you're coming from the same perspective as them. You might have a different way of getting there, but but at least you're on common ground. I think one of the hardest things for me at this point is to start agreeing with the parts of their arguments that are working and to to actively point out to them, I think you're right about this thing. I think that's something that, that we share or something that I didn't think of that you pointed out, and I appreciate that you did. And obviously, like, the the formality of this conversation that I'm having with myself right now is, is not the way that it would actually go. It would be a little more slangy. <laughs> you'd say it the way you'd say it. You know, why in the world am I explaining this part? You know how to talk. You got this. But it goes such a long way for you to agree with them at certain points, even if you don't agree with them entirely, to say that I like where you're going with this is actually to get closer to reconciling to a point that you want to get to. If you're willing to let down your guard a little and say, I like this, I like what you're doing, I think this is true, then there's going to be less animosity and more of an inclination to work together. Also, being able to differentiate between the false or the hurtful things that are coming out of your loved one's mouth and the person that you know them to be is ridiculously important because this is a time where people start construing and misinterpreting who's in front of them. But if you care enough to argue with someone at this length, (laughs) that must mean to a certain extent that you love them and that you know who they are. That kind of person matters to you and there's a reason that you've kept them around. And so reminding myself that what they're saying isn't directly tied to who they are is important because there are too many facets. There are too many influences on us for us to take everything that someone says as gospel and as a testament to who they are. It's, it, it just can't be, you know, we say too much for everything to perfectly reflect our personality and our values. And so separating what comes out of their mouth with the person that you know them to be is ridiculously important. In an argument, you're tapping into something that you don't normally tap into. And it's a passion for maintaining Or driving a point or reaching a decision that's going to take sacrifice to get there you know it's going to take energy and so that's why passions are high because there's a lot riding on this a lot of the time seeing them as a human being you know instead of an ideal or a concept we're too gelatinous we're too unpredictable to be locked down by the things that we say And the points that we're making, I guess. A beautiful technique that I've only picked up recently is knowing when to take a break. From the first argument that I had as a little kid, I always perceived someone saying, let's stop for a bit as I quit. I give up. I'm done talking to you. (laughs) And it's always made me so angry for someone to say that even though what they're really saying is i'm overwhelmed i'm too emotional and i'm aware of this so moving forward at this point would be to get into an unhealthy territory so let's stop let's relax for a bit let's take some time to gather our thoughts When someone finally forced me to do this and I had an opportunity to step away from the heat of the moment, I discovered a lot about myself and I, I, and I discovered that the height of anger that I was at right before was not something that I was interested in continuing. Or building on top of because it was getting to a point where I wasn't being productive with it. I was just being heinous. I was just looking to make my point and win an argument at that point. And so stepping away from it just allowed me to start realizing that I can be a little more sane than I'm being and I can be more reasonable. All I have to do is just back off for a bit. I don't know what it is about like steps, like this order of things that you have to follow that I'm so attached to, but I feel like I I do a lot of lists. And I don't know if that's a a good or a bad thing, if it makes this a predictable conversation, but the last check on this list is being willing to reach a place that isn't exactly where you want it to end up. Because how often will you argue with someone for hours on end And they end up having changed their perspective to align exactly with yours. Never. That never happens. It always just ends up being an amalgamation of the points that you were making and the points that they were making. And it becomes this new thing. And so being okay with the fact that you will inevitably end up somewhere that you didn't anticipate, it's essential. Because if you're furious that you didn't reach the exact place that you wanted to be in this argument, then it will never be a constructive thing to argue. It will always be a failure, even if you win. Even if you beat that person into verbal submission, it won't be worth it. you have to find a way to to be okay with the fact that you got somewhere new together that has to give you comfort. You know, there there has to be a reason that you're arguing with a person. It's because you care about them and you're not interested in going separate ways. So you got to make it work. That's what this is all about, right? Like that's why we argue more with the people that we love than the people that we don't because the people we don't like aren't worth arguing with what's the point in changing the mind of someone that that doesn't love you why put in all that effort and all that vulnerability and time into someone you don't care about i guess that's why we argue with the people we love how funny And all of those um, steps are good in theory, but applying them all at once, one time, will most likely not alter the way that you argue. It has to be done over and over again. And it has to be stumbled through because there's too many parts to this. And the way that you argue with this format is too different. You know, it's too unfamiliar for you to get it right the first time. And so if, if you're willing to change, there has to be a part of both of you that acknowledges each other's improvements in an argument. And, and it feels like such a weird juggling act to, to be debating someone and simultaneously to be observing and complimenting the, the ways that they're arguing with you better, (laughs) but that's what it takes, you know, because you can't go through this alone. Someone has to acknowledge the effort that you're putting in, in being civil. That's the only way I've improved, you know, like, like it takes so much extra effort to simultaneously compliment your improvements while debating you. But it is possible, and I know that because I've been through it, thankfully, and I'm not perfect at all with it yet. But I'm definitely better than I was before I acknowledged all of this. And I think the most beautiful way to deal with arguments in the long run is to be preventative and to identify the arguments that are not worth having. I don't think there's any debate that doesn't take a toll. And so if you're willing to have the foresight to see a problem and to decide whether or not you want to stick to your guns on it, that could save a lot of heartache and a lot of time. Goodness, how long arguments last. It's crazy how how quickly time flies when you're, you're arguing with somebody. Don't know what that's about, but just goes on into the night sometimes. <laughs> and so if I'm willing to keep that in mind, keep the fact that I want to go to bed early tonight, maybe it's worth holding off on or maybe I'm in the wrong. That could save a lot of time. I never thought about having a sort of like pseudo argument with yourself before you get into it with somebody else. By Asking yourself is this worth it and do I care about this enough to defend it with the person that I love takes a lot of willpower at first but eventually that willpower can be replaced by good habits and at some point in the future after having done this over and over again you know of being polite even though you're in an argument you reach a point where you're just being productive for the most part